All right. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the next episode of the Excelsior podcast. Today, I have with me some really great people on here. I have Will, Anthony, and Jeremy. So could you please introduce yourself and, you know, in a nutshell, just like, you know, maybe in one sentence, what got you all into the whole design journey, if I were to say that? So, uh, uh, yeah, I'll go first. Yeah. Um, so my name is Will Reagan. I'm a visual designer at IBM um, Cognos Analytics. Uh, what got me into design? I, I've always been an artist, I think, or creative. And I think right now it's manifesting itself in design. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be able to be in the world in which I think I'm talented and I have the most fun. Um, what project they that is handed to me, I I don't care. Anthony, right. yeah, sure. Uh, I'm Anthony. I'm a product designer at Amazon Music. Um, I'm an educator. I'm a mentor, writer, author. Um, I think what got me into design was just like the desire to make cool stuff. Like I just really enjoy making things, like things that other people enjoy and that are fun to make and are cool and interactive and all that so i think that's what got me here which keeps me going jeremy yeah i'm jeremy dudu um i was a former designer at linkedin and this is my first day of, of fun employment so you got me on a good day but um i've been a designer for the last 10 years now and um i think what got me into design is is the fact that i've always been a creative since i was like three four years old drawing ninja turtles you know, competing against people, trying to make the best drawings. But, um, you know, on my journey, I feel like being a designer has allowed me to um, dive into self-discovery a lot more, you know, understanding a lot more about myself, connecting with other people and um, understanding how I how, how through that I can solve problems from many different places and spaces and, you know, even working with people. Right. Because when you work with uh, folks, they always have their own perspectives about how something should work or their own subjective opinion about, you know, how you should approach a design problem. So I just love the fact that through design, you can learn more about yourself and the world. Right. So that's what's kept me going. Wow. Like, you know, that's a very interesting way to look at things, all three of you. Are. You know, so this. I think just yesterday I was having a conversation with a classmate of mine and uh, she was asking me like, okay, what track have you taken? I said, I've taken UX design, design in general. So, and she was like, okay, so what is the work of a designer? Is it just to visually beautify things or like, you know, so that got me thinking what defines design? Could you say it's merely a tool that is employed to visually present data or convey messages effectively, or is it something else entirely? Like anyone can begin, like, please, like, you know, I would like to hear all of your takes on this. Yeah. So I, you know, I, you know, I think Jeremy said this earlier, everybody's going to have their own opinions about how uh, you come up with and how you solve. Right. And, you know, everybody's gonna have their own philosophy, but to me design and how I take it and how I kind of approach my tasks or issues or user needs is I'm trying to figure out the best way to design something based on what they need 
and put that in a very simple way. And a very simple way, most commonly, in my opinion, is you, there's universal patterns to things, right? And so a lot of ways to solve a problem is to look at how it's currently being solved and kind of tinker with that for your particular use case, right? Um, but yeah, so if you want to talk, if you want to talk about philosophy, in my opinion, it's just explaining very, you know, complex ideas or not complex ideas, just in a, a, a simple way for somebody to understand and get. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think I'd like define it like based upon the experience you're making. So it's hard to just like, for me at least to like umbrella design into like one thing. I think if you're like making something for someone else, then it's about like what you want them to feel and how you want them to like move through that experience, whether it be like making a form and you wanting them to get through that form or making like a piece of art and wanting them to like sit with that art and have like an emotional response for it. So um, it's kind of hard to define the output without having like the user or the use case. But like, as far as the input, it's just like the creativity that goes into it, like whatever you're trying to design for and the objectives that you have and like your style that goes into it as well. So there's like, oh, it's like a pretty big answer. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of just depends on like um the sort of the objective like i i kind of like always work from like the problem to solve when i think about design and because like you could just design so many things but you need like that anchor point um at least for me if we're talking about art like for yourself then that's something else entirely yeah okay i have a tendency to to go a bit a little bit too deep you know so if i go too deep then let me know but um I think in simple terms, same in simple layman's terms, I think design is a communication tool. You know, um, you could design a website, you could design a home, you could design anything. Everything is designed. You could design a lifestyle, right? Um, and I think that it's basically a form of you know putting your philosophy and your lens onto something, and allowing that to translate into a thought, into an action, right? That somebody wants to take. So um, yeah, I'm gonna just leave it at that. I'm not gonna go deeper than that because <laughs> I could go a little bit too deep. Yeah, I have no worries at all over that. So, uh, you know, like since you're talking about design and art in general, so I was watching The Crudes and lovely movie, by the way. And uh, I mean, I saw the scene where the character meet She's drawing something, I think, uh, you know, like the caveman, they used to draw certain pieces of art, right? Like that's storytelling in an essence. So, I mean, storytelling in general has come a long way from, you know, cavemen painting something on the walls to where we are at right now. So as it evolves, how do you anticipate the impact on the realm of design? What impact will storytelling have, specifically now that even AI has come into play? Again, this is a question which I would like to keep open to everyone. Jeremy, if you could begin begin with you this time. Um, so I think, so so the question is about like how design is going to evolve in general with. Uh, uh, keeping in mind storytelling, how long, you know, the long wait has come over time. And now that AI is also into play. Yeah, I, th I think that design is about crafting a narrative. Like there's a story that's being told right now and there might be a problem with that story, right? And through design, we could make a new story, right? And um, I think that 
when you're working on a team or with a company, they've already designed something. There's a platform, there's a feature, right? And um, maybe they haven't done it yet. Maybe it's, it's something that's totally brand new and we want to come up with a new story, right? But I think that you first have to understand the story that people understand, right? Who, who are in the world. And then you want to understand the story that people under uh, internalize at a company. And what I'm trying what I'm trying to do when I'm a designer is make sure that the story that's understood in the world with users is communicated to the people who work internally at a company, right? And those two have to have some sort some sort of connection for us to you know build out some type of product. Right. So I think that through the essence of doing that, we could use the tools of storytelling from thousands of years. Right. Whether that's through a presentation, um, whether that's through a one on one conversation. Uh, but through, with AI, I think that you could uh, improve how you tell stories much faster, you know, using all the tools that are out there right now. Right. So there's uh, presentation tools that I've used you know, for the last few months that just like make my story much better, right? Or if I'm using chat GPT and I want to break down a case study in my portfolio, I could just like, you know, talk about what I want to talk about in that, in, in uh, chat GPT, right? And it'll help me tell that better story, right? So I think that um, the tools that we use with AI make it much easier to build out a narrative for yourself or whatever you're working on. Well, I would really get appreciate yeah, getting your I, I, I agree because you know storytelling is just a part of the game, right? Uh, there's many. If you want to, if you want to, if you're asking if it's going to improve you as a designer, it will, right? Um, but but it's like Jeremy said, there's there's storytelling in every aspect. There's storytelling when it comes to uh, convincing a stakeholders that your idea is the idea to go with, right? Storytelling as far as how you're going to take that 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 user through that journey, um, and in a way that they can see something and, and intuit, intuitively uh, go down that path with you and understand everything that you're trying to convey, right? Um, so there's a bunch of different aspects of storytelling, but I think Jeremy's right. Like it's it's the the structure hasn't changed, right? There's a beginning, there's a middle, and there's a there's a conclusion, there's a there's a build up, there there there's a there there's a journey, right? And and our job is to get their users to the end of that journey in a way that is um, easy to understand and doesn't require much effort, right? Um, and I, and so as being a designer, storytelling is, is it has a, it, you need the skill of, you need the skill of being able to tell your story or tell a story or understand a story, right? So you can just uh, plot a journey through this path. Um, I don't know. I, I I talk a lot, so, but yeah, I think stories, having the ability to be a storyteller is 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 crucial um, in a lot of different aspects. Even though it's this, it, even though having knowing the structure, uh, the structure is is is, is the same. Anthony. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't have much else to, to add there. I think Jeremy will cover it. I, I just think of it as like variables, in the sense that like. Every time a technological innovation comes out, your fidelity increases 
with respect to storytelling. So when you think about like those cave walls, as you notice in the crudes, like you don't have audio, you don't have motion, you don't, you have pretty rough <laughs> looking design, but as you add more and more different types of technology, voice, motion, AI, um, the fidelity of your stories increase and the variability and creativity of them increase. So I would imagine AI is going to do that for us, increase them a lot more significantly. I remember like the, the I don't know if you recall this, but there was like a, a chat GPT demo of like storytelling, like storytelling, like someone at bed. Um, I, I don't know if any of you saw this, but it was like, tell me a story about like a rabbit. And then it was like a tech demo showing like how the person asking that story of chat GPT was being like talked back to them. So they were able to like real time make the story even. So like the user became the storyteller. And that was like phenomenal to see how you could like have this conversation with AI. And it told you a bedtime story where you were both the creator and the recipient of the story, which is just crazy where AI is going. So uh, it's going to get even crazier, probably. Yeah, and now with the integration of DAL-E and ChatGPT 4 yeah, it's really going to change the landscape. Yeah, so now like, you know, kind of like shifting gears. So when I was working on a recent project, I realized that balancing inclusivity in user interviews and feedback for my project posed a real challenge. I mean, I was aiming for a diverse data set, but determining where I should stop participant involvement without hindering my progress became a real question. So for someone who's struggling with this, how would you say, you know, one, you know, one can decide, okay, this is where I start and this is where I stop. So Anthony, if we could begin with you this time. Uh, you should read just enough research. Uh, it's a, it's a book from a, a list apart, a book apart, um, same place. Uh, I haven't read it either. I don't know if you have or not, but it's on my to-do list of things to read. I mean, you need to, you know, like you can't just like keep researching or else you won't get anywhere like you have to stop at some point um and that book's probably like a good starting point for like where to draw the line where i draw the line depends on like the question i have so if it's like a survey where i want like attitudinal um information i would probably have a large n you know i'd want like hundreds of people to like fill out that survey um ideally if it's more like usability testing it's like just a couple uh you don't really need that many people to break your thing and figure out where the problems are so Kind of depends on the questions you have with your project and your challenge. Um, but yeah, read the book. <laughs> yeah, I, I I agree. I think um, you know, obviously, you'd start where where your question is, what your question is asking. But um, a good place to stop is, you know, when there's no additional participants bringing any, any more valuable insights, right? Like that, there's going to come a point where there the people you're just the people the answers are going to come start becoming redundant right and that's the place where you start um or stop uh, in my opinion jeremy yeah i think i've always heard from the researchers that i've worked with that you want to interview at least five to eight folks but any you know number after that typically you start seeing the same sort of patterns and results and that's what I've heard from from my friends. Uh, but typically how I like to work when I'm working on a project doing research is I'm partnering with a UX researcher who knows their stuff, right? And they're they 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 got all the the qualitative and quantitative data that that we could think about. Or if um there's a person who works in analytics, like I'm partnering with them. If there is a salesperson 
who is talked to customers. Um, I'm talking to them and getting their insights, right? So when I do research, it's not just about UX research, it's about having a holistic understanding of what all these different people are saying, right? So I'm trying to connect the dots between all these different teams, um, the users' needs and, and so forth. Um, but I think where you stop is once you start to understand the patterns or the themes that are coming out of those conversations. Yeah, I, I would also add to research shouldn't, it's going to sound bad, but research shouldn't also hinder your process, right? Because there has to be a jumping off point to where you can now put this in front of some people and go, you, let's, let's, let's let you break it, right? Uh, you can continue to research all you want to, but until you stick it in, it, there's no amount of research until you stick it into some users' hands that it, you'll find out where your where your flaws are or where you need to go, right? So I would say do as much research as you want to. <laughs> of course, you know, uh, from these sources that, that both uh, Jeremy and Anthony were talking about, but there comes a point where you just got to stop and go, you know, let me just build something out and then let me let, let the users mold it. Yeah, just to add on to that, um, well, I feel like research allows you to, to form an assumption, right? It's it's like, okay, this is the story that I'm I'm starting to understand. Here's an assumption about how we could approach this problem, right? And then, then you want to just break down that story and see if it works or it doesn't, right? And then through validating that assumption, however you do it, or maybe it's running a test you know, through usability testing, maybe it's test ramping a product and putting it out in the world, right? Then you want to see if that story makes sense or if you need to reframe it in a different way. Yeah, running it through some colleagues too. So if a lot of people have seen a lot of different things and some of your colleagues are like, oh, I've seen this before. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that could be your research right there. So I love showing my work. Yeah, so like, you know, uh, moving on to the next question, something that has been on my mind for a while, like, you know, what is the psychology, like, you know, what really, really intrigues me is about the psychology and philosophy of design and how it encompasses, you know, core principles and core tenets. So I'm curious, what is your design philosophy? Well, if this time you could begin with, you, I'd really like to hear all of your takes on this. Yeah, you, you said very for me, right? Um, yeah, yeah. So my my philosophies, I, I kind of stayed in my LinkedIn, um, but it's just I I, I kind of create visual des uh, visual design solutions. I emphasize simplicity, um, kind of promote some understanding and encourage action. I mean, that's kind of my philosophy: simplicity, understanding, and uh, and in action. I think that it, to me is that's that's kind of what I'm I strive for when I do all my designs. Is that Visual. I'm a visual designer now, so I have a I have, I have a different little prior philosophy than some UXers and definitely some UIers. Um, but yeah, Jeremy. Yeah, I mean, this is one of those questions where I feel like I could go deep on car, but I'm gonna give you high level. Um, so I feel like to me, uh, like design is is a way that you approach life, um, because. You know, my, my philosophy is that I live life through design. Like I'm constantly thinking about things to design. If it's not 
a product is probably my lifestyle is probably my children. Like I want, I want my children's mindsets to be designed. Right. And I want them to have a certain understanding about life um, where they feel like they could accomplish anything. Right. So I think that for me, um, it's not just a tool of communication. It's, it's how you approach living um, on an everyday basis. Anthony? Yeah, you know, um, I think piggybacking off of Jeremy, it, it kind of depends on that problem to solve. Like that's like usually my design philosophy, like where am I starting from? What am I trying to accomplish with my design? So from that, I could pull any other maxims and uh, philosophies that, that I have. Just a couple off the top of my head are like clear signifiers, um, simplicity where you can, just like you will. Um, find the fun is like a big design philosophy I have. Like if you're making like a playful experience, if you're making something like more about community and, or not community, um, communication and just like get person to the end from the start to the finish, like as a product designer, as a UX designer, I think about that a lot. So um, getting out of the way of the user is like a pretty big design philosophy I have. And then probably also just like with whatever I'm making, allow for um, people to make it their own. So whether that be like, you know, you think about like the space of like a museum, for example, and how you could like move through that. It could be like a product in the same way, however you like want to get to that end and also how you want that end to look for you. So yeah, off the top of my head, just those are probably a couple of those philosophies I have. <laughs> yeah, so like, you know, uh, moving on to the next question, uh, this is something I've been contemplating for a while. So, you know, this is like a multifaceted question, if you could say. When I'm creating a portfolio website, what should my focus be? Should it be on minimalism to spare developers on complexity? And is that a trait which professionals like yourselves value? Moreover, does compelling storytelling outweigh flashy animations suggest, and, you know, suggesting that a well-crafted narrative, narrative and a and modest animations can make an impactful portfolio website. So what is it that you all keep an eye out for? I would love to hear your take. Anthony, if you could begin with you for this time. Sure. Uh, I'll say it again, the problem to solve. <laughs> like, who am I hiring? What am I hiring them for? If I'm hiring a visual designer, yeah, I'm going to look at those visuals. Those are like a lot more important. Uh, same with the motion. If I'm hiring like someone all up, like, I want all of it. <laughs> like all these things you've mentioned, like, yes, and yes, and yes, and yes, and um, I guess where I'd like set the bar or at least like the baseline is um, the storytelling of your portfolio. So when I get there, when I read your stuff, I should know who you are. I should know like what you care about, what makes you tick. I should know like your case study and like your impact on that case study and like what it led to and the problem that you solved with that work. So there's like a lot that goes into that. But just at like a high level, just some tips that I could offer would be um, have a very highly scannable like portfolio. Just like don't require anyone to read it necessarily by using like visuals and um, good language in your headings to make it able to like digest that easily. Um, but yeah, I don't think you necessarily like need the motion and you need the animation if all you're trying to do is um, get like your first job. You know, I would care much more about like who you are, what makes you tick, and, and the impact that you had on the projects you worked on, uh, more so than like an animation. Um, yeah. Jeremy? 
Well, yeah, I think when it comes to your portfolio, you want to understand what your unique selling point is. Like, what's your unique perspective on design? What's your unique, unique perspective on the world? Um, I think when I've talked to a lot of folks who are working on their portfolio, the thing is about, you know, just the, the, the particular case studies or visually how something gets represented. But I think at least in my experience, when I've worked with hiring managers, they want to understand how you solve for problems. Um, there was a a young designer, I always tell this story, um, who I mentored a couple years back. And I, when I looked at his portfolio, he had design projects, but he also had a, a project where he was able to build some sort of tool that made for clean water in his community. Right. And that was just like something that never left me. Like I, I've always remembered it um, because the way that he broke down the problem, the way that he looked at a solution in his particular area and how he took action to actually make the thing happen. Right. And I think that when you are somebody who's up and coming and you don't have a ton of experience, people want to see that you take initiative and action. And, you know, like you don't have to have all this, all the hard skills. Right. But how can you communicate that you have the potential to do something that's great? Right. So um think that necessarily when it comes to your portfolio, you don't just have to create an app or a website. You could create something that solves for a problem in your specific area that a lot of people don't know about. Right. And I think that that's how you show that you have an inclination to do something that's innovative within the company. And that brings value. Right. It's not just about your case studies, it could be, you know, the, the way that you think, the way that you communicate, the way that you um, show up, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, I, I, uh, I've, I've been on a few uh, reviews and some few hiring uh, uh, groups um, at IBM. And I want to see that you know how to, I want to see the thing that you're asking that you're asking to be a part of, right? So if you're a visual designer, I want to see that you're, that I want to, I, I don't care where you've done it, but I want to see your visual design work and how you came up with this visual design work, right? So I, I kind of look at it as you want to answer the questions on the, on the job posting, right? You want to answer those questions in this portfolio and resume. I think different fish require different bait, right? So if you're, depending on where I'm actually applying, my portfolio might display different sorts of visuals or different sorts of UIs, right? Um, my, my I'm, I'm, I'm only I'm going to highlight certain things if I'm applying at say a streaming service site compared to when I'm applying for an e-commerce site, right? So I'm going to I'm not going to blanket the, the 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 world with the same resume, right, and expect the same results. I want to just display the, the 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 skills of the worlds you're trying to be a part of, right? If your tribe is doing this, you might want to mimic some of those things and 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 be able to speak about some of the things in which they and in the way in which they're doing it, right? So um, that's what I want to see. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's what I want to see. I want to see that you've done. And, and it, when it comes to experience, experience is just not saying, it's not the stamp of saying I was, I, I did this thing and it was here. The stamp is, I mean, the experience is just saying I've done something more than once, right? So that could be anywhere, right? But I just want to know that you've done something more than once. Eh? Um, even if it's several projects or even if it's, several tutorials that I've now uh, uh, learned the knowledge from and I, I, I customized my thing now, right? So um, sh show your experience 
and display the thing that is 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 showing the tribe that you want to be a part of that tribe. Start speaking that language, right? And and your portfolio resume should speak that language. So. Wow, very well articulated. And thank you so much for all of you all for giving me that insight. So, you know, wrapping this discussion up, I would love to hear your take. So what is the future of design? And now, like, as you discussed earlier, like AI is going to have a you know, massive impact on design. So what do you all think the future of design is going to be like? That's a heavy question. Um, AI is, so I'm on the AI design, design for AI team. So we're kind of determining, or trying to figure out how, how AI is going to be designed within or across our products and how that's going to show up. Uh, it seems like explainability is a thing that's is, is coming more to the forefront. People want to see how is this information being gathered and where is it coming from and should I trust it? Um, to me, AI is like a calculator, right? It's, it's going to make us more of a, not a necessarily a problem solver, but more of a problem finder. Um, but we're going to have to figure out what the right parameters are to punch it into this thing for us to spit out an answer. Now, because it's a new technology, it's the Windows 98 version of this, so it's going to get things wrong. So you definitely need to know your job well enough to know if it's spitting out a right answer or not. Um, but I think it's going to speed up the process. What I mean by that is if, I, if you ask me if I want to, for, for a label of a tooltip uh, with these set parameters, I can punch that in that chat GPT and send you these 10 answers. Now, I have to know my job enough to know which one is going to be right for my use case, but I didn't have to think about it. It spit out 10 answers and I can just pick from that. So it sped up the time in which it takes me to do a thing, right? And if you think that it's not going to get faster, I mean, like I said, this is the Windows 98 version of this. It's going to get very fast. Um, but I think it should be definitely used like a calculator, right? Um, I punch in the parameters and I um, eventually I'm, I'm going to know when two plus two, set, when that calculator says four, I don't have to question it. I think that's where it's going. But like I said, it's going to speed up things because now I don't have to think about things. I could just punch it into this thing and it'll it'll give me a, a, a selected a, a, a options for me to select from, right? And you're talking about complicated ideas. Now something that would require me to come up with at least three or four examples. Now I can just uh, come, I can just throw that in there, come up with one and then mold it to what I need it to be, right? So yeah, that's where I think AI is going. Yeah, I use the um, the same metaphor, actually. I haven't seen anyone else use a calculator. Um, yeah. That's exactly how I feel about it, 100%. Uh, and in the same way that like calculators didn't get rid of accountants, they just had to like incorporate those tools into their workflow. Like we have to do the same um, with respect to to design. Uh, I 100% also agree that it's an accelerator. I think it also um, lowers the bar to entry for a lot of people to make more creative things. So it increases creativity, but it also reduces the uh, barrier to entry for creativity. So you have more people making more stuff more easily, uh, which is great, you know, like that increases diversity in design. It increases like the ability to just like allow access to the people that have ideas. They can just make something. Um, there's also like this trend now that I've seen where you don't necessarily need to know prompt engineering in order to get results. Like you can become really conversational with the AI. Um, so like at one point, uh, well, still, uh, you have to know how to make those prompts of like, I want this specific thing in this specific way, but you can start, we're starting to get to a point in AI where it's like, oh, I want a dog. What type of dog? And then like, you can just have a conversation about that with the AI rather than be like that specific and explicit upfront. You can still be that way, but we're, the tools are getting better from that. So I just imagine like 
we're going to keep seeing that trend of it becoming easier and easier uh, and less barriers to entry even to use these tools themselves. Yeah, I, I think that um, design is still not at the forefront of where it could be. You know, if if you look at, if you work at an organization that's a real big, big tech company, design is probably at the bottom of the totem pole um, at a lot of these places. And I feel like with AI, it allows for designers to become even more creative than we already are. So my hope, I don't know if it'll happen, but my hope is that through AI technology that we're able to actually solve for real world problems, right? Like, and, um, you know, when it comes to homelessness, we can make houses with AI tools, right? Like, like it's crazy, but um, my hope is that we actually solve some real world problems that are happening rather than just working on an app or a website because we don't need, an, we don't need another one of those. Like it's enough of that. Um, but I think that we're at a, we're at a inflection point as well, you know, that I saw back in 2008, like after 2008, a lot of people didn't want to go into the traditional system of working because of layoffs, right? And then 2009, 2010 came and you saw all these different startups that were coming into fruition. And, it, and I think maybe what might happen is that you see the same sort of thing happen after this year, you know, because so many people have gotten laid off, you start to rethink what life should be or what it could be. Right. So creatives, people who aren't even introduced to design yet, they might be like, hey, I have this idea and there's these tools that are here. Let me just use it to my disposal and create something. Right. And um, hopefully what I, you know. Hope would happen is that in the next three to five years, maybe even sooner, you see. Changes that are happening on a social level, on a community level and even, you know, on a on a spiritual level in many ways, right? Because then you're also gonna see this connection between ourselves and technology, which has never happened, right? So it makes you question all these different things. Um, so yeah, that's my, that's my hope, Ankar, is that we don't just, you know, keep creating websites because these are just disposable things. And, and it's, it's, you know, I think it, it's creating a bigger problem on the social level. Um, between, you know, communities who have um, economic power and communities that don't. Um, but I hope that it just like levels the playing field in some way, or at least solves for bigger um, world problems that are already going on right now. Yeah, me as well. Like, I wholeheartedly agree with, you know, what you just said. So yeah, like, you know, like concluding this discussion, first of all, I would really like to thank you all for making so much time for my, for, you know, for my podcast that is and uh you know where can people connect with you all they would really like for them to connect to you also like you know if there's a specific platform you prefer please let me know. yeah I'm, I'm only i'm all on linkedin um you can find me will reagan w-i-l w-i-l-l r-a-g-a-n um or you can just uh email me will reagan at gmail.com or will t reagan at gmail.com sorry about that I'm not ask me all the questions for real. I, I've been on the other I've been outside of the club, so to speak. And uh, if I can help somebody else get in, um, I had a I had a had a lot of people help me. So if if, if you want to talk, you, know, you want to figure some stuff out, uh, I'm open for sure.
Yeah, you can um, find me on LinkedIn as well. Anthony Conta, C-O-N-T-A. Uh, that's usually the place where I'm most responsive. So I recommend checking me out there. Yeah, for me, uh, you can look at my YouTube. It's Como Design Studio, where I've been filming videos for the last two, three years, talking about my learnings and experience that I want to pass down. Um, you can also hit me up on LinkedIn uh, if you want to, you know, see what I'm learning about life through design. Uh, there's a newsletter that I just started today. It's called Design with Soul. I haven't launched it yet. Um, but now that I'm going on this new journey, I just want to share what I'm learning through that as well. And uh, on Instagram, Chef J Dudu, because I'm I'm cooking. I'm cooking a lot. Oh, there's also ADP List, right? Look oh. me up, uh, Jeremy Dudu on ADP List. So there's a bunch of different places that you can hit me up on, you know, whatever you want to learn from me. Definitely. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure, like, you know, many people are going to reach out to you. So be, you know, a word of caution out there. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for your time once again. I really appreciate this. Looking forward to having you all again. And, yeah, thank you. Yeah. Great meeting, everybody. Everybody have a good rest of the day. Yeah, same. Great meeting, y'all. All right, Omkar. Yep. Take care, everybody.